0: Hello, welcome to That Stack Books. I'm Steve Scher. You know, you can find us at iTunes, where it would be really great if you would take the time to write a review. Also, follow us on Twitter at That Stack, or on Nancy our is off page. this week, and we have an interview I did with a Northwest author. In a sense, it's following up on last week's episode about romance and love. Here is a true love story. What do you say to your loved one who has just gotten that frightening diagnosis, you have cancer? How do you share the pain and the fear? For writer Abby Rolnick, the sharing took the form of words, essays, poems, written in the moment, day to day, hour to hour. Cocoon of Cancer is a collection of those moments between Abby and her husband, Jim Wiggins, an ecologist
1: this is an unintentional book. I never intended to write it. It happened, um, not by choice, but by um, circumstance. No one ever wants to have cancer, but I'm a writer. And so the only way that I can give a perspective or to keep my own calm is to write. So during during the, um, the very, after I got that phone call, Abby come home, um, the doctor just said, I had cancer. We need to have a this afternoon you know I leave my restaurant in that appointment I had my journal there and either I had the pencil in my mouth because I was so nervous or I, I didn't want to def- I I needed to hear everything I needed to be present and I needed to give my strength but I was so emotional that I wrote a poem my, the very first poem of the book and that's the only way I could I could do that is to um, keep my mind going, my heart flowing, and not interfere um, with what with, with, with the procedures were. Um, and I found that because I do get up early in the morning, and I do write, and I leave Jim a note every day for the last seven years of when I go off to work, he wakes up to a note. That's what I did.
0: Would you read a little bit of it? I do you read, need your glasses?
1: I do need my glasses, and <laughs> I do read fast, so... So we're in the oncologist's office, and I'm sitting on the sidelines, um, avoiding seeing the procedure to keep from fainting. I'm I'm really chicken. Anyway, so this is what I wrote. I love Jim Wiggins. I love Jim Wiggins. I love Jim Wiggins. I love Jim Wiggins. I don't want him to die. I want to live with him forever and be the best wife, friend, and lover. I want my life to be entwined with his blue eyes, his soft hands, his exuberance with nature, his passion. I love the way he loves me. I will not be selfish. I will give all that I can. I will write and touch others' hearts for him. I'm here to give more love. I'm a conduit of joy. I will not suffer. I will enjoy and give Jim all my humor and my crazy bits of wisdom. I will keep our connection. I might be scared, but fear isn't anything to be ashamed of. Fear makes me grow, if not taller, then deeper. My heart expands with the L words, love, like, listen, luck, and laughter. I place a pen between my lips so I, don't, I won't offer my thoughts when Jim is listening or talking to the doctor. I want to scream my thoughts, but I smile, pretending I can find the humor, kindness, and grace. I want no regrets. I focus on keeping the calm as the storm swirls and to remember best intentions, not an easy test to keep Jim comfortable lots of kissing
0: why do you think that that nurturing emotion was one of the first emotions that came out for you
1: well it could be because I raised three kids it could be because um, um, my heart was pulled that all I could do was know that it wasn't about me it wasn't it wasn't my needs that, that in order to um, be present, you all, to be present and give love. You have to really be quiet within yourself, and so and so I had I had to um, see this as as um, something separate something
0: separate from
1: separate from my own fears it it it, i had to separate that out because it wasn't going to get me anywhere and um i knew that that the energy that i did have and i knew i was going to need a lot of energy because cancer that name is so broad and so big and that you have to um sustain yourself um that i that i that i had to focus on that that i had to look at jim and know from all the cues that we've had for the seven years we've had together, what was important to him because he was going to rely on me. And I've been through a lot. I know I have broad shoulders. And so um, giving was my first thing because of what else was there.
0: Abby, you don't have broad shoulders.
1: Um, well, proportionately I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, w- was this your first experience with cancer?
1: Um, my first, um, real exposure to cancer, um, when I, you know, you in the peripheral, you've always heard of friends having cancer, somebody's died from cancer, um, there's the fear of cancer, I mean, I've, I've been, I've been, um, when I was in college, I had a lump in my breast, and you, you go, and you find that it's okay, but you don't know, and so, n- no, nothing had touched me like this, um. I've written about cancer in my novels. I've done other stuff, but I've never had that exposure. Ironically, during all of this, my mom came down with cancer as well. So I was I was sandwiched between my mother and my husband with cancer.
0: Yeah, you were spent splitting your time.
1: Yeah. Um, in the beginning, my mom was mortified. I mean, she's an incredible woman, and she fell in love with Jim when I fell in love with him. Um, so, um, our relationship was close and she stayed with us for five weeks in the summer. She lived in Palm Springs. And so, um, everybody was mustering the energy to help me from afar. And, um, and so she was diagnosed midstream. Jim must have been four months into this when, maybe, maybe two months into it when she was diagnosed. She...
0: what was her cancer? Pancreatic, pancreatic cancer. Right. So Jim
1: has multiple myeloma. My mom had pancreatic cancer. So um, in between, I was really blessed that that Jim's brother could watch Jim after certain procedures, and then I would time my visits to go down and visit with my mom based on on that that on Jim's treatment.
0: How have they? How are they? How have they been different to deal with these two kinds of cancer?
1: They're they're really different, um, and I can't speak to all the cancers. I can only speak to um, the age difference, which is one thing. My mom was in her 80s, um, and her cancer was a quick cancer. And pancreatic cancer is um, by the time you diagnose it.
0: I was going to say quick.
1: Quick in the, the sense yeah. that by the time it's diagnosed, it's very severe usually, and so um, there are many people that that that. Um that survive but but there are many people that don't, and so at her age um it it was it was finalizing it was it was um reconciling that this is her time with jim's cancer, it was more of um we knew we had many procedures many many um things to overcome, many times of nurturing, learning to face death because it may the odds were really against Jim in terms of where he was at. And he had... Um, the details really aren't important, but he had a um, genetic def- um,
2: mutation.
1: Oh. And so that, coupled with the level of multiple myeloma, made his much more risky. And um, But he was young, young in the sense that he was in his 60s, and healthy. And so... That puts you on the road to survive. It says, we're going to go for this. And so then you have to be facing, looking at what is your life at at that moment.
0: You know, you know, Abby, I, um, we have many metaphors for cancer. Yes. Fighting the beast. I don't use that. Confronting it. You no. use a phrase of cocooning,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the cocoon of cancer. What is that?
1: Well... Um, and
0: why don't you use the other one?
1: Well, battling, you know there's I don't believe in fighting. I believe in understanding and um, um, softening, softening edges. Um, the minute you have hate or anger or any of those negative thoughts, you you're creating um, you're wasting your energy basically and and for me, when i the minute the minute Jim was diagnosed, we walked into the waiting room and everybody around us, everybody around us was on some level of the same trip. And so I began seeing it as the the other world dissolves around you. You are in this world and in part your world shrinks because this is the world you're, you're seeing. Um, patients that that are getting the chemo you're seeing the radiologists, the the blood draws and this is the everybody's doing the same thing mm. but you're seeing stages and you're seeing older people younger people when we were at seattle cancer care there was people from ethiopia there was people from russia every color every economics and you're all you look in their eyes and we're all there and but we're buffered because the our job now is to heal our job is to to stay strong and give compassion to the other people, because we were sitting there um i i there's many, many stories um, but I use the metaphor of cocoon and and it's biologically wrong because you know you're thinking that a a frog or a butterfly is going to come out of this. And Jim has a frog and a butterfly tattooed on his arms because he's a biologist. So when I use the metaphor, it's wrong, but as a writer, I stretch it. And so, but it is, it morphs the definition. But what happens is everybody in there grows to love one another in those waiting rooms. They, they have a compassion and, um, and it's a choice to to um, give while you're in pain. It's a choice that you make. Um, there was one one couple that struck me in um, in Seattle Cancer Care, and they were coming. You knew that their dates were the same dates as yours, so they were looking for a stem cell transplant similar to ours. We didn't know where they were in the journey. The Cancer might have been different, but they were going for a stem cell transplant. So they were there at the same time with blood draws. We would see him later upstairs on the, um, I think it was on the fifth floor or sixth floor. And you wind up talking. And um, they traveled from a different world. They were, they were sitting there, and he was not thriving. He wasn't thriving at all, he couldn't keep weight on, he wasn't doing as well as Jim. And the mother and the daughter were there, and I wrote an essay and I handed it to them. And all three of them came over and hugged me and thanked me. And then a month later, you didn't see them. And so all you can do is give what you can at that moment, and, and really that's where it wasn't just about Jim and me, but it helped us understand, um, I it broke down prejudices. It broke down the world, the world doesn't just stop, even though we were in that insulated world. For, that's why I said it expanded at the same time. Um, so that I, that cocoon transformed us in, in, inside, you know. I mean, we were very welcoming people to begin with, but you could even welcome more, you can be more compassionate.
0: Has that lasted?
1: Very much so, how? very much so. In what so. ways,
0: how does that manifest?
1: How does that manifest? Um, first of all, Jim, Jim is doing really well right now, but I still believe we're in that cocoon because the idea of just yesterday, Jim went to get his blood draw. Every six weeks he goes back. He's been off of chemo for six months, but uh, the doctor said, you know, they want you to have a bone marrow biopsy tomorrow. And so suddenly we're back on, on looking at stuff. They have to So it's always in your mind, but we're no longer on that edge of facing death because we've done it. Um, and that means getting your, your financial stuff in order, getting, making sure that you, you can, you can um, give your partner the best that you can give them during their life. But then it's living. You, now now you have to say, how, how do we live? And so um, when I think about, everybody usually thinks about their losses, but they don't think about their gains and they don't think about what they have. Jimma and I already had a blessed life. Just because we can't hike as far, we don't kayak like we kayaked before, um, it, it doesn't diminish our life. We just switch it, and if we get upset, it has to. You have to resolve that instantaneously, because there's no. You don't know when that last section second's going to be. You know, we're. We just got back from a trip, and um, we were hiking, and and it wasn't how far we hiked. The uh, ranger said, "It's." Double the time it takes you to go downhill to come back uphill. We were on a volcano. Well, for us, it was about four times that time. <laughs> and But still, we saw the silver swords in, in um, Haleakala in Maui. But we still got to see it. We still had our goals. We still took our pictures. So it's not measuring how much. It's, it's adapting to what you do have, not, not what you don't have.
0: You wrote an essay, and you handed it to those folks because you thought, what were you giving them?
1: What I was giving them is, well, selfishly my perspective, um, but I could see that they were so pained and that, that, that the husband who had the cancer, who was not thriving and wasn't doing well, he needed hope.
0: What was the essay about?
1: It was my... Um, I think it was the, the central essay of Cocoon of Cancer. I'm not sure which one it was, but I think that's the one I gave him. And it's a pretty long one, I'm not gonna read it. <laughs> it's, it's a powerful one. And um, the,
0: the, the story of Cocoon, mm-hmm. that one.
1: And so, um, but what he did, he thanked me because it's what they couldn't talk about. They couldn't, they couldn't verbalize what they were feeling. And I think, I just knew they needed to talk and they weren't talking. Maybe it was part of their culture, maybe they were, it was too fearful for them. So did, maybe my words helped them with their feelings.
0: Did, there are a lot of books that people who have dealt with cancer have written and people who have had family members that have written. Have, did you read a lot of those?
1: i read none of them. None of them? None of them. I
0: thought you were gonna tell me I read one or two. Why none of them? What was that? That's a choice.
1: That was a choice. Um, I, was, my, I spent my energy trying to understand Jim's diagnosis. I spent a lot of reading and then um, question. Scientific reading. Scientific reading. Um, I, I needed facts. Um, I, I really do believe because Jim and I were so connected. I mean, some of our friends were really worried. They asked us, Abby, do not do you feel cheated? And I said, well, what do you mean cheated? Well, because it's a newer marriage. You know, we've been together seven years. and And I knew that what we had had understanding in it. I knew that I, I was willing to bend over backwards and I had the strength to stand strong. Um, and I knew that Jim and I were gonna be brutally honest with one another. Um, and I had three kids and I'd been through divorce and I'd been through a lot. I, I knew that this was, um, that it wasn't going to help me.
0: But, but you guys sh- shared The writing you shared the email conversations. Yeah. So, um, what? When did you decide, or or why did you decide that what you had written and shared was something that um, would expand outside the would 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 expand the cocoon.
1: Well, what would what happened was is that Jim had um, a group of has a large family and I have a family that they didn't live close by, and (coughs) so. Jim would they want to hear from Jim and Jim is a scientist and so all of his all of his emails were the scientific description of what was going on and they were not the emotional part and so we realized and this is pretty much I think we were almost through at Seattle Cancer Care when it looked like wow there's a lot of information that we've been writing back and forth and and all of my essays for the seven months that we had been there and Jim's, that maybe somebody else can deal with. Maybe somebody else will benefit from this. And so at that point, so the book is in real time. It's, it's at the moment, it's not reflecting back. So this conversation you and I are having are me reflecting back. I didn't make the decision until Jim was on the other side of it. And, and I came back to my home and I became who I am in my regular life that, oh, I think I have something that other people might um, benefit from just to understand, not, not to get, tell them what to do or how to feel or how to be.
0: This isn't everything that you wrote.
1: No. This
0: is, this is the parts that you thought would be most useful and also I imagine, well, what else? What would you leave out?
1: I didn't leave Personal
0: stuff, anger, uh, more love and
1: Well, you know, there was not any anger I mean, I think there was times that I was angry Because um, you have a little bit of anger But I really, somebody asked me I mean, why, why aren't you angry? And, I, and, I, and I, I didn't really, I didn't have any use for anger It wasn't going to help me And I really had too much to do um, you know, you have friends and family that are willing to step in. But really, you need to conserve your energy. So I didn't have more of anger. I think there might have been more love stuff there, more gushy stuff that people shouldn't see. Um, although I do share a little bit of it there. I mean, I have to say that there's a few things in there that are that are that um, show the tenderness that we have between each other that existed before. But I think... Um,
0: but you're not embarrassed by it.
1: I'm not embarrassed by it. No, I mean, I mean to,
0: to share it. I mean
1: No, no. I, I, I think one of my rules is never do anything you're going to be embarrassed about. <laughs> so you know, I'm not embarrassed to share it, and I'm I'm hoping that people will um, n- find find a way within themselves to to share that intimacy. Yeah.
0: So so Jim Wiggins, you know, you're sitting here, we're talking about you. <laughs> so I got I just got I'll ask you one thing. Go for it. Cocoon of Cancer, the, the subtitle is An Invitation to Love Deeply. How did you accept that invitation?
2: I wasn't prepared to talk. <laughs> 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 um, I guess you have to know Abby. She has a lot of love. Um, and she shares that, as she was saying before, with strangers. I was quiet, uh, although I did do a few fist bumps with people, some eye contact, smiles. We're in the elevator and she's cracking jokes, and I'm quiet. So Abby's the one that loves deeply. I do too, but she shares it, and she's sharing it with this book.
0: What is cocoon of cancer, what does that mean to you, that metaphor? Or if it's not a metaphor,
2: perhaps. I don't think it's a metaphor. I mean, it's, it's... As a biologist, I know what a cocoon is. I mean, I have a butterfly tattooed on my arm. They come out of cocoons. Um, I think that it, you truly do get into a, a family. And that family is the cocoon, the protection. When you have it, Um, And it isn't just the family members that share the cocoon with you. It is the people that we meet, whether it's at the North Puget Cancer Center in Cedar Woolley, where I started for four or five months, or for the six months we spent damn near every day at Seattle Cancer Care. Um, And uh, you do create friendships and bonds, because we're all in the same place so it is it's a cocoon that you cannot get out of Hmm. although i hope i can get out of it but i don't know if i can what part do you want to get out of i'm in complete remission um but as abby said tomorrow we go in for a biopsy and i'm looking at the doctor and going why do i need another biopsy they hurt they poke a needle that's hollow into your hip bone and suck out some bone marrow. Sounds horrible, and it is. And, uh, you know, I'm starting to think, gee whiz, you know, I think I'm through this. But I'm not. I asked the doctor, Dr. Matthew, how long am I going to have to be given blood? So they check for, quote, the M-spike, and he said, you'll come back every six weeks for the rest of your life. So we will remain in that shelter of a cancer family.
0: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And I wish everybody luck. They don't want to They don't want to be where I am.
0: But it's not a burden. It sounds like a little like a, a bit of a burden to be in that cocoon.
2: It's a little niggly that kind of sits <laughs> back in there. Um <laughs>
0: It's squirming inside the cocoon, huh? Uh,
2: yeah. (laughs) Um, But I don't think about it, per se. Um, My back's broken in five places. It hurts. I'm three inches shorter. And my toes tingle.
1: And his eyes are beautiful. Wait,
2: was that part of the cancer? (laughs) Yes. I have neuropathy. That's right. And the cancer was it disintegrated a bunch of my bones and broke my spine. Um... And I shrunk. <laughs> I have to rehem hem all my pants. Good thing I'm short.
0: <laughs> anyway. Yep, all right, last words. What do, you, what do you want to make sure people know?
1: I, I, I believe that um, cancer, which is a scary word, death, is, which is scary. But I think the more important is, think, I think that really people need to start learning how to live all the time. And so that I was really scared to have this interview, you know, because I was so passionate and cared so much that I really want people to understand and feel and, um, and I don't want to fail. Isn't that funny? Because what I'm really scared about is, is that, you know, of course, the bigger things, but, um, but. But, I, but my, my mantra to myself is always, you meet somebody new. You never know what's around the corner. If you don't step out and deal with your fear or, or take the challenge, you're not going to grow. And cancer is a big challenge. Um, being it
0: seems a, like the biggest. It's
1: the biggest challenge. And I thought the biggest challenge was giving birth. You know, and I have three kids and, you know, and I'm still scared of the dentist, but I can do the bigger stuff, you know. And so I think that a, a, a lot of it is before you are have that big one of, of facing cancer or facing a chronic illness or facing your mom dying or your dad dying is maybe we should all just look at learning how to live from right from the beginning, really count what's important so that we don't have to work so hard when we're in that cocoon. It just comes a little bit more naturally. So I really, you know, so I, I think that we're given an opportunity to, to really live the best life we can. And somebody asked me, if Jim passed, would you have written the book? Would you still talk about this the same way? And I said, absolutely. In fact, I'd probably... Wanted it even more so, because it has taught me so much, given me so much, and Jim and I, um, we are so blessed. We still are. And we are niggly. It's still niggly. It, I mean, the fear, I don't think anger's there, but a little bit of fear, a little sadness. But there's a lot of humor in it, because we can get pretty ridiculous with all of this stuff. I can, I can tell you thousands of stories of funny things that happened, through cancer um, and how you deal with it some of them are my books some of them are the ones I eliminated but um, but I really wish you know if people go away with anything is they have a little bit of uh, they have a lot of hope and more compassion and uh, um, they can smile at their neighbor because their neighbor probably has had something tragic in their life too and so um, it, it it it's it's just a way of, of enjoying life more versus, um, being angry with life.
0: Cocoon of Cancer, an invitation to love deeply. Abby Rolnick with Jim Wiggins. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. That's the name of your second book. Funny Things That Happened (laughs) Through Cancer. No. Abby Rolnick is a novelist, essayist, and short story writer. Her book is Cocoon of Cancer, An Invitation to Love Deeply. For links to their readings and appearances, you can start at our homepage, thatstackofbooks.com, or at abbyrolnick.com, A-B-B-E-R-O-L-N-I-C-K, or on her Facebook page. We're back at the Brian Corner Cafe on Tuesday, February 23rd, 2016, to record the next episode. That's just in case you are listening to this in the future. I thought I'd better put in the date. Join us there at 315 for a lively discussion. Now it gets lively. Half-price cookies, everyone gets on a sugar jag and starts spouting off about the great books in their stack. Thanks for listening.